Hello and welcome to the SDC Fit Learning Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name's Ben Scott. I'll be joined by Jason Galea. Thanks for joining us on our way to create 1 million positive outcomes for personal training clients by 2030. The podcast is brought to you by at STC Fit Learning, a page created to upskill and educate PTs and gym nerds. Also brought to you by at STC Fit, and that's a place for all your online and in-person personal training needs. If you enjoyed today's episodes, please give us a share and tag on the Instawebs. You can tag at STC Fit, at STC Fit Learning, at Ben Scott SC, and at Jason Galea PC. Hope you enjoy the show. All right, welcome back, everyone. Another episode. Uh, take two for us. So we yeah. had the gardener <laughs> arrive yesterday, and apparently whippersnippers and lawnmowers are quite loud. If you if you weren't aware, as a massive fail. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, at least we both had an extra hour to get shit done. Yeah, yeah. I didn't waste the time. Yeah, that's it. How are you, mate? Just finished the leg session, I see. Yeah, um, um that was a bad idea. <laughs> Usually, after every workout, I'll kind of sit on the couch for about forty-five minutes and just like get my wits about me and i'm like fuck i didn't leave that time <laughs> <laughs> hopefully we have enough caffeine on tap if to, uh, talking again like the chat episode it's because it's not because like i'm listening it's because my brain's not working <laughs> <laughs> jason's just taken the last couple of weeks off <laughs> yeah <laughs> getting used to this like infrequent podcasting yeah even when i'm on i'm not saying anything nah yeah i was just thinking i think this is the first one with my new chair but no one can see but i got a new chair guys yeah. that's awesome <laughs> And it should yeah, make less is out of 10 at the moment. Yeah. It should make less noise. So that's, that's positive. If you want to go and watch the YouTube version, you'll get to see, I don't know, like a, two inches of orange on my shoulders. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. How this setup has evolved. Yeah. How we've grown. Have you got your um, desk yet? Nah. Oh, bro. Nah. That's really cool. Still with TNT somewhere. It was my fault. So I, the old PayPal saves my old address. Oh, so, and then it didn't like prompt me to change it. So got sent to the old address twice. Um, okay. So it's at TNT's warehouse somewhere at the moment. So I probably should email them again today. Yeah. But yeah, how is your standing desk, Jason? Oh man, I love it. It's like, I don't stand on it for too long, but it's like real good to just like, you know, if you spend too much time sitting and you're feeling a bit like, you know, your back's feeling a bit stiff and stuff, you just stand up for an hour and then bring it back down. Yeah. Um, but it, like just reworking the whole workstation um, has made it just a really productive place to be. Like I kind of walk mm-hmm. in here and I'm real excited to sit down. Like, cause everything's just where it needs to be. I've got one screen on the side, laptop in front of me. It's kind of elevated. I've got the mic here, nice seat, you know, wireless, everything. It's just like yeah. so important to have a workspace. I feel it's like kind of made for productivity. Um, like, I don't know. I just feel like it's something important about just, being in that environment and you're just like, right, I'm here to work and everything's seamless. Yeah. Before it'd be cluttered just because it was just a bunch of random shit on a desk. So yeah, I'm loving it. I'm loving especially, it. Especially this work from home life. I feel like you need to do something that separates like life from work. Like obviously yeah. yours is in a room. Mine's more of a nook, but like you walk in to my spot now, it's like, okay, this is the work room. Yeah. You don't want it to be just a random room. That's just got a desk on it. Like, mm needs to be a, a space that's made to, to work in um, wherever that is. Like I used to work at the table a lot just because of the space, um, like big kitchen table. But um, 
yeah, it just was too distracting. And it, like when I sat down, it was more of a, like just a to-do list thing. It was like, wasn't really built for creativity or anything like that. So yeah, I reckon like a few adjustments to this, put some things on the wall and stuff and it'll be a good place to kind of sit in like, you know, when I am at home, you know, doing work and stuff because we're going back to the gym finally. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Well, for you, I don't know. I'm just like opening my garage, yeah, which is just, like, as, just as exciting for me, yeah. to be honest. Like you're going to go to a gym to train. Yeah. Like, I think like, I'm not going to be doing much like PT in the gym. Like I'm just excited that gyms are open so that like you can go and work out and see people. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's... Know, I'll train a few of my guys and stuff, but like, it's just like, fuck man, going into a gym, like, not having to like unload plates and walk halfway across the room to get us like everything's got a pin in it. Like yeah, there's yeah. dumbbells, like I don't have to adjust shit. Like my workout's going to be cut by like 30, 40 minutes. Mm. Uh, my dogs are going to hate it, but yeah. Yeah. In, Indy's not going to be impressed. She, that's her favorite part of the day. It's yeah. Well, I worked out that it's, uh, Mav was three months old when we got locked down shit. and he, he'll turn one next week. Shit. So like three quarters of his life has been like dad at home working out in the garage. Mm. Yeah. Like he's going to struggle. Like literally 75% of his life has been with dad. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I'm like with the other news that I've had, I'm like, Oh, you're going to, who's going to be the dog that comes with us. Yeah. I feel like we're going to have to have a road. I wrote about that this morning too. Hey, it's like, like, do I just roll in with my two dogs and just take over the joint? Like, <laughs> just put all of them in the room and see who wins. Uh, <laughs> not a good idea. <laughs> Sounds expensive. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so we better, I guess, get onto topics. Let me. This one specifically, we're talking to coaches today. Um, we've been developing a lot of stuff over the last couple of months, and uh, really refined it over the last month or so. Just what we've learnt, I guess, over the last ten years being PTs, working with PTs, and then the last five years, obviously directly mentoring PTs. It's been five, maybe six now. Um, I've messaged Amy, see how long she's been around for. Could be close to six, yeah. I think. Uh, I think it's five, but yeah. yeah. Sounds better if we say six, right? <laughs> <laughs> pump, the num- pump those numbers up. <laughs> They're rookie <Okay>. numbers. <laughs> yeah, anyways. Um, so yeah, like just the main things that we've seen obviously identifying who was successful, who wasn't early on. And then through the mentorship, what traits people had in their, in their best business to make it and have a sufficient income and have an effective business model, getting clients when they want to being able to turn that tap on and off and being able to have like really long-term careers and be a standout PT in their, in their spaces, whatever space they chose that to be, be it online in the gym um, or broader than that. So I think first we probably want to identify like the three main problems that we see with personal trainers across the board. So particularly right now, uh, or not even particularly right now, it's always the same problem. It's just everyone's talking about the reason why at the moment. Um, now. Yeah, that's it. We just got something to blame that's external, yep. uh, which is no incoming clients. So a lot of people expect I've got my certificate, so I should have clients or I've got a good physique or I train hard or I'm a nice person or I'm really smart is another one that's really common as well. Um, so people should just come to me. I should just get clients. 
Um, and you learn really quickly that that isn't really the case. It doesn't happen that way. Second one would yeah, be think, no go, Jester. Well, I think just adding on to that one, um, you kind of almost, the coaches are, or PTs are almost set up to fail coming out of the their cert three and four as well, because they kind of like sold this dream that, you know, PT is a great job. They, they can train whoever they can train athletes and, you know, celebrities and all of this shit. And it's like, we well, can, um, I, I don't know anyone who does. Um, yeah. and I've been a coach for, you know, 10 years and, um, you kind of get it sold this kind of dream that doesn't really happen. So people come in, they don't know anything about uh, an industry that's, you know, like heavily reliant on like, you know, in, independent business owners, um, so then there's no business stuff in the course um, and they come in just like sitting ducks, just waiting to be knocked off. Um, and some of them just endure. Um, and, and then at, at some point they end up slipping through as well. And you're left with very little people in an industry that, you know, should be thriving with, you know, high level, high quality coaches. Yeah. And then I think once you're out and you're into the industry and I think most people that are listening resonate with this the most, it's like, just get really good. So we, we have our Facebook group, Just Get Good, that's actually across the board as like be a good business owner as well. But people kind of funnel that into, if I'm just, I have a really in-depth knowledge of nutrition, I have a really in-depth knowledge of programming, those kind of things, those technical skills. If I'm just the best at that, then I'll get busy. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, like, it's a humble pursuit and it, it makes sense logically that if you're just the best one, then you'll be the busiest in the gym. Um, but I think if you walk into every gym across Australia, there's probably a smart guy in the gym and then a not so, we won't say not so smart, but not so technically proficient trainer that's in that gym that's doing as well, if not better, just on their ability to, to run a business well. So yeah, those all kind of tie into the other, the other two pro problems that we see is like just no business structure. Like you said, there's no training for it in the course. PT is at a point now where it's very rare to be employed unless you're sort of a session spectator at an F45 or something like that. It's really challenging to find a role that you just show up and train people and go home. So you're essentially expected to have a certificate that's taught you how to not hurt people and then walk into running your own business with no business knowledge. Yeah. So it's totally understandable. People are like, I don't really know what the fuck to do. <laughs> And there's this like culture also. I, I remember being in the situation and I'm sure you were the same. It's like at the start, I was like, does everyone else know what they're doing? Cause I, I have no idea. Like how do other people do like tax and all that sort of shit? I'll just, I'll just ignore it. I just pretend I it doesn't I left, exist. I left my tax return for like three years. Yeah. Like three in one hit. Like, yeah. If you do this again, you will get in trouble. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think, yeah, people just don't really consider like, wait, it. I have to give my money back? Like, it's mine. Yeah, I earned it. How dare Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, even though I drove on a road to get to the gym and I trained, like, maybe trained people in the park that my yeah, tax like, pays for, went but... To the, went to the doctors at some yeah. point. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, okay, so I do have to pay for that somehow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, which both of those combined one of the, obviously the main problems we see is just a low return for effort. People yeah. busting their ass, trading time for money, not getting the money that they deserve for the yeah. amount of effort and input that they're putting in. Um, particularly like if you're a person that's listening to this podcast, we assume probably you're invested in further education and development. 
And you should be rewarded for that. Yeah. Yeah. Without being stressed out as fuck too. Yeah. Like the associated like stress and just the emotional roller coaster that comes with those three problems. Mm. Um, it's enough to see people at some point just go, yeah, enough's enough. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty sad to yeah. see, to be honest. Yeah. hundred percent. And like, both of us has been there. It's easy to look at us now. I'm like, oh, we've got these fucking fancy electric desks that go up and down and expensive <laughs> chairs and shit. But like, I still remember sleeping on a mattress on the floor, eating baked beans and tuna cans because it's all I could afford to hit my macros, even though I didn't know what macros were at that time. Um, and and like, fuck, I reckon I missed in my first six months. I reckon I missed gem rent at least five times. Yeah, that I had think- to kind of catch up on. Um. I remember like it's 5.30 a.m. I'd had like three days off in six weeks because I was working at a reception, as a receptionist too uh, at the same gym. And someone stood me up. I was tired. I was just like super emotional. And I rang Steph and she just woke up and I'm like, I'm quitting. Mm. No, this is it. I've had enough. Like this is just life shouldn't be like this. Like it just shouldn't be that hard. Like I worked at Crown Casino as a food and beverage attendant and I still wanted to quit being a personal trainer. That's how fucking bad it felt. <laughs> and all I remember her saying is just like, you're, you're meant to do this. You're going to be great. Like just keep going, you know, which is the typical, you know, um, European way. Just grind. You know? <laughs> like my grand, my parents did it. My grandfather's done it. It's just like go and grind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if I didn't have that passion and that word in my ear, I would have failed. Yeah. Um, and it shouldn't have to be that way, like as well. So yeah. like we've been there mm. like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Frequently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. More than, more than I wish I'd, I had. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So obviously like now looking at the, the guys that are happy, finding fulfillment in their careers, um, making a solid income, living a nice, a good lifestyle, working with people that they want to work with those prizes that we want at the end, what we're all trying to achieve primarily in the, in the fitness industry. You want to have efficient and effective business models. You don't want to be spending 20 hours a week on admin and backend shit. If you can systemize it, it makes no sense. Um, It's really great when you start having really easy client acquisition, when people message you and say, Hey, I know you're busy. Could you fit me in? It's like, look, I'll have a look at my diary for you. Um, When that starts to happen, it's, yeah, it's very humbling for one, um, but it also takes a lot of stress and anxiety out of your life. If you can put yourself in that position. And there's nothing better than like getting yourself to a position where like every coach hates sales, right? Like what I said in our mentoring session with the guys in the academy, I don't hate sales. I've done it that much and I have an awesome product. We have an awesome product, but it's really awesome to get to a point where it's not a sale. It's an interview. Mm. It's like, there's no, like people know they're going to have to pay and they know they're getting a great product. So it's just the, the simple thing of just like finer details. Are we a good fit? Are you going to be able to do all the things that are expected of both of us? Awesome. Let's do it. Yeah where most coaches want that straight away, but they don't really know how to get into a position to do that. And they also don't like sales. So I don't really know how they're going to be able to find clients. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And then the, the anxiety of the rejection and all of that, just like counters and counters and counters and snowballs yeah. and snowballs and snowballs on and on. It just becomes a, a whirlwind of anxiety trying to find people. Yeah. Um, and that's it. You're trying to find people and imagine like someone coming to you, trying to find you to work with you. 
like just the energy that that gives off you're automatically just like yeah yeah not sure about this i remember haggling over when i was charging fuck what was it 99 bucks for three sessions i remember haggling over that yeah and now i have like you, you guys want to get yourselves into a position where you get to the end of a sales call and you name your price and they go, Oh fuck, that's cheap. You're like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah. um, but it, like, that's the position that you want to be, be in. You want to be building enough value for people that yeah, that's, that's where you're at. Yeah. And easy client acquisition also just means turning it on and off when you feel like it. Yeah. It's like, you know, we hit our quota. You might have a waiting list. Mm. The guys know what to do to service them. Um, but then if they need some one-on-one, like some one-on-ones or some online clients or whatever service it is, they just turn that dial, bring them in, turn it off like a tap. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just happy days. Yeah. Yeah. That on tap concept's so valuable. Yeah. It's like, I need to get busy right now. Bang. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the result of all that increased income for less time to put. So you could actually have a life. The amount of personal trainers that I know that can't take a holiday, like, Fuck, it's such a problem, man. So yeah, agreed. All we do, the majority of what we do in our role is give our parts of ourselves to others and invest in others. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the time to go and recharge that and invest in yourself, like, fuck, it's not, not a good long-term solution. No, nah, no. Nah. And then I guess the ones that do probably are more reliant on like their partner to kind of, you know, get them through that holiday period because they've set themselves up in a position where they don't have some form of like recurring income coming in. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they literally don't get paid for that period, but your bills still come in and everything still comes in. So essentially you've lost income for that time. And just as a business, like that's not, I guess, a healthy um, situation to be in, you know, like mm-hmm. at some point you've got to look at your bottom line and go, that's the current, like that's the heartbeat of your business. Um, and, and then you're away at the same time, spending income, having a good time. It's kind of like a double whammy. You've got nothing coming in and you got extra coming out. Yeah. Yeah. I think just to put a nice little bow on all of that, it's something that people don't think about very often. And when we talk about these, these topics, we obviously just talk about them, you and I in particular, we're always looking through a lens of client first. It was just like accepted that that's all right. As long as this benefits the client and us, then it's good. Um, so I, I think it's important to understand that if you have a fit, efficient and effective business models and, and, and service models and stuff, we'll get into a bit later that actually benefits the client as well. And you actually get better outcomes. So when you, when we talk about building value, you that's by getting better results, which is why we all started in this thing anyway. And if you can take time on it, if you're less stressed and you're not anxious about where your next fucking meal is coming from or rent is coming from or client is coming from, you'll be a better coach. You'll be able to facilitate better outcomes. So it's, it's really important to understand that all this stuff, look, and we've said this before, if we were in this to make money, we wouldn't be in this. <laughs> being selling yeah. houses or in finance or something. Finance, for sure. Yeah. So at the end of the day, for us, it's always about getting that client outcome. But you guys need to put those kind of points together that creating value and buy-in with people is what gets those results. Yeah. So the five specific things that we've seen that stand out, and this is what we educate all our coaches on, um, that we work with, whether it's in our team or through the academy or whatever. Now, one's mindset, model, service, clients, and then be great. 
most people, like we said at the start, start with, let's just be great. Let's focus on our technical skills. So what we're going to do today is go right back to the start and just show you guys how important the other four are and that just being technically proficient actually won't work without the other four. So the first thing we always talk about and yeah, it's talked about all the time and like, we don't, don't want to get fluffy on it, but we need to talk about mindset. And I, I think you guys that have listened to the podcast for a while will know that Jason and I aren't notoriously fluffy anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's pretty straightforward when it comes to this stuff for us. It's, it's very effective, um, but it isn't that complete complicated. I don't think you need to be, I don't think there's a, a place for fluffiness in mindset when it comes to running a business anyway. Mm-hmm. I think like the, the necessary traits, the, the thought processes, the, the drive, um, all the things that kind of get you out of bed to do stuff is not, you know, like, um, you know, self love and bath bombs and shit. It's like, man, I've got to, you know, get this, this business going to a point where it's a, a self sustainable, and to a position where I can, you know, not give all of my life to it mm. and still be able to make a living off it as well. So it, it definitely takes a, a way of thinking and a way of operating to wake up every day. And like some of this stuff is autonomous at the, at the, at the end, like it has to be, yeah. you've got to develop it to become autonomous. Um, but without it, like, I can't see the rest of it happening. Like you're just going to be that person who just does sessions and just trades time. And I don't know many coaches out there who've done it for, I've done it 10 years and like, I'm not saying I'm over it, but I could never do 60 sessions again in a week. Like I'm so done with that. Yeah. And I'm 32. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've still got like, yeah easily another 25 years of working put possibly more. Yeah. Which is, um, a, which is a yeah. dinosaur in the fitness industry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. True. Both of us, we're old men. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. hundred percent agree. And, and the point that you made there that this is trainable is super important. I know people that are born with this stuff that just have it. I've seen it that people just like walk in the, in the their first day and they've got that mindset. And then maybe everything else is lacking. They need the technical skills or whatever. Um, but I know even for myself, like, so item one is the growth mindset. So being willing, able to fail. So that's, that's one I've probably always had. Um, and I think if we comparatively bouncing off of each other in those early years, that was one that, and I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but one that maybe you struggled with. So oh, yeah. oh, fucking perfect before it goes out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm not willing to put out something that's not perfect because I can't not get it right. Yeah. And, and, and like, just to give people context, like it's, it's not anyone's fault if they think that way. Like, you know, we got brought up, like going to university, getting told you're the smartest people in the room, you're going to enter the industry being the best. Like it's all this noise as well as like maybe your situation at home and stuff. I was the only person in my family to go to university. I had this like, you know, I guess like thing, like I was on a pedestal because you know, I'd like done something that no one in my family has ever done. And this is like extended family as well. So it's just like, you get, you have this expectation that, you know, things need to be done exceptionally. Um, and, and it just takes experience and, and just that first time to just, yeah, like make that mistake, you know, feel a bit shit about yourself. And, you know, like, I think it's circumstantial as well. Like if it was in a sporting setting, I made mistakes all the time. 
and I just got back up and I was like, cool. So I need to make this move. Or I played a lot of soccer and a basketball when I was a kid. Um, so it was always like, okay, so if I do that, I'll do this. And I think it comes down to like a bit of ability as well. Like I didn't really know myself as a coach when I was younger, didn't really back myself with my abilities. I didn't want to make mistakes because I thought people would think I was shit. Um, but now I'm, I make mistakes all the time. I'm just like, oh, whoops, I fucked that up. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, we we almost lean into them, to be honest. Well, if you don't make mistakes, then you're not challenging yourself and you're not learning anything. So if you're doing the same thing, then you just you only know what you know right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think my experience again, like like you said, it's it's shaped from like your upbringing and stuff. Like I was an only child, but all. I had a lot of um, dad's younger brothers. My uncles were like sort of between five and 10 years older than me. And that's who I knocked around with. So it was like, if you're playing cricket in the backyard, you were probably the shittest. And you, if you want to play, you just got get fucking better. Like there's no, there's no option or you're just going to go sit inside by yourself. Um, and, and like, I think also like coming from not much as well was just like, ah, oh, fuck it. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, already sleeping on a mattress on the floor. It's fucking, fucking much worse than this. <laughs> and I've lived in houses that are worse than this one that I'm in right now. Like I've gone to bed in beanies and thermals because like the pillow's fucking wet from condensation. Like, yeah, what if I fail this? I could probably still pick myself up. I'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the one I probably struggled with more because of that was the ownership. It was yeah. like that extreme ownership. My my mindset was like, oh fuck, it was it was this was because of this was this person's fault it was even blaming that like upbringing for shit as well it's like oh that's why i am the way that i am it's like mm. like yeah. whether and the line that sums up the extreme ownership mindset is whether or not it was your fault it's still your responsibility yeah and i think if you can harness that it's not only a game changer for your business but i'd say it's a game changer in your life just to be able to stand up and take that all the time. And I think, like I said, bouncing off of each other early days, that's probably something you did really well. It came pretty naturally to you. Yeah. I think again, it was just like resilience built over just, you know, like hardships and experiences I'd had up until 21. Like I experienced some shit up until 21. I know people have experienced more, but like I've kind of been independent since I was probably 15 years old. Mm. Yeah. So I've been, kind of making it happen for myself since then. So I think that just having to be able to like walk my path most of the time, my parents brought me up well. I'm not saying they disowned me. Anything, <laughs> but it was like they separated. Mum was always working, had to like basically put a roof over our heads. So we had to like get, you know, do a lot of the stuff for ourselves. And I think that that was, I actually value that more than anything. I just, I don't know. I look at some people these days and it's like, should you really be living at home still? Mm. Like, is that like, I think that's clipping people's wings a little bit because it's comfortable. Um, where I just got put straight into discomfort and I was like, sweet. Now I'm just like really comfortable with a situation that's not uncomfortable. Like we, we kind of get in situations like, fuck man, do you feel weird right now? It's like, oh, not really. I'm like, good. Like, yeah. or, like this is fucked and we're just laughing about yeah. it. Like, <laughs> like when we yeah. presented in Port Melbourne and we had nothing like no. Yeah. yeah like that was hilarious. And like, we were just laughing about it. Yeah. I think it's just like a good experience, but we still kind of fall into that trap sometimes of forgetting the ownership. And I think that that's a natural thing that we'll try and just subconsciously justify to ourselves. Like we had a conversation the other day and we were just like, look, we didn't do this. And this is why this person didn't do that. 
Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh, fuck, yeah. Like, when you think about it, it's like, yeah, well, that, that falls on us. Like, but we just kind of owned it. Like, and then, and then now we, we know what the problem is, so we fix it. Yeah, and those two, value, those two mindset principles overlap so well. It's like the ability to be willing and able to fail and recover and the ability to take responsibility for that failure and then be able to, to improve. Yeah. Yeah. Very valuable. So fourth pillar uh, that exists inside the mindset of four is just knowing what you actually value. Yeah. So I think we've talked about it on the podcast before the girls have talked about it. Amy's got a brilliant article out on medium. If you want to go read that, just identifying your core values and what they actually fucking mean. Um, I think we had uh, Dr. Mel Marrow on. It's like episode 109, maybe. Or maybe earlier than that. So many episodes. Yeah. Anyway, it was like at the start of COVID, I was just dealing with change and we talked about... I'm stamp, Tim. Or like, uh, sorry, put in the show notes. Show notes, yeah. <laughs> um, so if you want to in-depth listen to that, go check out Amy's article and that um, that episode of the podcast. But essentially the best way we've found to identify this stuff is pick... Pick 10 values that you feel are important to you. Identify the five that you're doing really well and identify the five that maybe need some work. Then the next step from there, and we use this both for training and being a quality coach and enjoying your life and finding fulfillment in your job and what you do in your career is what values actually are being serviced by your job, by your career, by what you do on a day-to-day basis. So I know for mine, and I, I would guess that it's probably top five for you as well, but number one that always pops up for me is growth and learning. It's like, what better career could I be in to be constantly having to grow and learn? Like, yeah. so that that's facilitated really, really well. And there's other ones that are facilitated within it as well, which is probably why like um, Amy Louise was like, oh, you need to post more of what fills your cup outside of like coaching and training. I was like, yeah. Like, what it. do you mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, this is this is my thing because it fulfills so many of those values for me. Yeah. And then yeah, the next. I'll, oh, sorry, go, Jess. Oh, no, it's interesting when you look at our top five values. Like, they're similar but so different too. Yeah. Like yours and mine. Like when we did that activity the other week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. That's all. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. We think the same, but value things slightly differently. Yeah. 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 Which I think is a positive in a business relationship. Yeah. Because we need, we need a broader lens. Can't just work with the same people. Like working with five of me wouldn't work. Yeah. 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 Um, So then we go into goal setting. So again, one that's, it's hilarious that our job is setting goals for clients and achieving them and we don't fucking do it ourselves. Yeah. (laughs) um and for the the pts and coaches that are listening if jason and i were to walk up to you and say what's your five-year plan you can't answer it your goal setting is insufficient yeah yeah like i think the best quote that i got from somewhere was like um people fail because they lose sight of what they're working towards so i know people are like think too realistic when it comes to goals like, oh, but life, I don't know what life could be like in five years. Like I could get, you know, I could lose my leg tomorrow or some <laughs> shit, you know? It's like goals are supposed to be set off, you know, we talk about these values and they should be set off with like, if you could have something in five years time, what is it? 
because yeah. like, we've we got to work towards that. That's the thing that's going to be, that's the fire in the belly. That's the, the thing that's going to get you up in the morning, you know, that you're tired and, and, and you don't want to and, and, and all those things. It's like we need to make sure we can kind of quantify what that is and break it down into steps so that you guys can work towards that. Mm. Like we've always had goals and yeah, the goal posts shift, but they're still goals. Yeah. And we still always work towards them. And something that needs to just be revisited more than, than you telling yourself that you don't know what life's going to be like in X amount of time. So it's like, just have a think about what you want to work towards. Yeah. Yeah. My, again, my five-year goal changes once a month. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Like, but that's a, that's a reactive way of doing your goal setting, taking into consideration life mm. where people aren't setting goals because they're thinking about what life could be yeah and what could happen it's like you just need to be realistic about a goal it's like it's one of the you know one of the principles of setting a goal just has to be you know realistic you know specific measurable all those things but if you have no goal like you you again fall into this trap of just trading time for sessions yeah and you just work in you 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 don't even run a business you run a service because if you didn't do that service, you, your business is gone. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So I think there's two effective ways to do this. So we, we always have the same outline. So it's three months, six months, one year, three years, five years. What I find if you're a good goal setter and you've done this before, but maybe you're a little bit slack on it, and you're able to actually identify where you want to be in five years and what you want to be doing. That's awesome. And, and this is for both methods. Make sure that you can actually step into that. You want to be able to see it, feel it, touch it, smell it, everything across, across all of those variables. What is that life going to actually look like? What's it going to feel like? How does that all play out for you? Um, we were saying during the week, like, driving through the neighborhood that you want to live in, looking at the house you want to be in, parking out in front of the building that you want your gym to be in, like those, those sort of things and really allowing yourself to actually tangible be in that moment. If you can do that, set that five-year plan, reverse engineer it. And then every decision you make inside that uh, time should be filtered through the lens of what you want to be doing in five years. So just putting on another client service, your ability to do that in five years, maybe if you're in your first 12 months or you don't have a full book yet, sure, maybe it does. Maybe you need to get that full book and <clears throat> get that proficiency on the, on the floor before you start expanding. Yeah. If you've got a full book and you're already doing enough sessions, just taking on another person facilitate what you need to do. Yeah. Or could you spend that time creating resources that would, streamline your business? Could you start looking at bringing on another coach? Could you create education platforms? Like what's, what's the next step that's going to take you close to that five year goal? Mm. If you're not confident in the goal setting and you have trouble, like, like Jace was saying, like, Oh, fucking life. Um, five years is too far away. Imagine what would be if everything went right for you, where you'd be in a year. And then imagine I just walked up and gave that to you. I like to do this, um, this experiment sometimes. And it's a cool way to check your, like your alignment in life. Just imagine you won like one to $2 million. So most people can do that because they start to think of all the shit that they'll buy. 
It's like, if I gave you $2 million today, what would you do? What would you be next step? It's like, I'll tick all these boxes and then I'm going to do this thing that I'm really passionate about that I can't do for whatever reason right now. So take that same mindset and be like, okay, 12 months time, everything goes right. I'm in, and that's the plan. Now imagine I've just given you that. Imagine you're in it. You're doing it right now. Everything's just being provided for you. What would you do next? And if you can identify what you do next, that's your three-year goal. Same principle. All of that goes perfect. You get that three-year goal. Then what are you going to do? I'll expand into this. I'd open a gym. I'd do whatever. So walking yourself through that process. And then the most important, like that, that's obviously very important to actually go through the process. And it's very rewarding. You can learn a lot about yourself and put you in a great position for the platform for the rest of these. But you have to actually start looking at shit through that lens. Yeah. It's all well and good to be, I want to have five coaches working underneath me and open a gym and do all that in five years. But if you don't make daily decisions that are going to help you achieve that, there's a waste of time. It's just like yeah. a cool little dream that you've got on your vision board somewhere. Yeah. So... Um, pen and paper time. If you're driving notes in your phone, maybe pull over. Don't do it while you're driving. Yeah, no. yeah. A little bit of advice. Um, so for growth mindset, we recommend, uh, I think it's just called mindset, right? By Carol Dweck. Yep. For the ownership, extreme ownership by Jocko Willick values. Amy's article on the STC fit medium. If you just go medium.com forward slash STC fit, or just search us on there. We'll come up. Um, goal setting, set out those three, six, one year, three year, five year plan, put that together and you're going to take a huge step forwards regardless of anything else. Whew, that was one of five. Yeah. So as we go on guys, these will become more brief because as we start to get into the, the ins and outs of the business side of things, we don't want to keep you on this call for, or on this podcast for three hours. <laughs> um, so we'll probably revisit this stuff in the future, but, so the next step from there is actually having a business model, yeah. which again, even more frequent than people not knowing what their five-year plan is, is walking up and going, oh, what's your business model? How does it work? And people not being able to tell you. So when we talk about business models, really what we're talking about is business systems. So what systems do you have in place to make sure your business runs effectively? And how does that model play out? So first we're looking at the client management. So how are you going to actually manage payments? Do you have a client agreement? What happens if someone doesn't come? What happens if you go on holidays? Um, what happens if COVID hits? <laughs> like what, what client management system do you have in, in place? Or are you just chasing your tail and being reactive all the time? Because that's not going to work for you. You spend yeah. mate, way too much time on it. Next system we'll look at how are you onboarding your clients? So going through the sales process, get them on board. How do they actually become a client? What happens? Do you have, are they, are you using one of the programming apps? Are you building your own spreadsheets? Like where's their resources? How do you track their email address? How do you book their sessions? How do you do all that day to day client onboarding? Now you're a client. Let's do it. Programming. So, finding a method based on sound principles that works for you that you can apply in a systemic manner. So we had a, a cool 
one hour chat last night accidentally prompted into a programming workshop yeah. <laughs> in the academy yeah. call. Um, so I guess like we'll unpack this one a little bit more, Jace, like when you, when we look at programming, obviously we have a pretty sound system now. that's very easy to kind of just plug in and, and go. Yeah. The, I think the best way to, to look at programming is once you can identify the needs of the client, the steps involved to get a program that elicits those outcomes should be the same. It's just like, sure. The end result is a little bit different given like the nuances with people like strength leverages, recovery score, whatever you want to um, call it. But the steps involved to get to the point of the program being designed and finished to the client is exactly the same. Continuity is everything. Like you, if your business model isn't continuous, then you're not going to get any better at it. It's not going to become efficient. You're not going to be able to look at it holes and, and go, all right, this could be better and we could improve this. If it's different every time, it's just going to be um, you know, too hard to refine. Um, and it's just not like three different people could sit down with you and there's three different ways to getting to an outcome. I just don't know if you did that. Like with an, uh, always think about it. I guess the best way to think about it is like, you want to be able to set a business model up. So if you hit max capacity tomorrow, could you be able to sustain it? So if everything's different, you're not going to be able to do that. And there's definitely not going to be like this consistent amount of quality with that. And so for the programming, like we could have a hundred people jump on tomorrow. That'd be amazing. Um, we could find, we could definitely service those people like over like the week to get them a program, to go through the same steps to get us a, a, a program that would elicit the outcome that's done in, in, in the same manner. And that's what you want to do with everything. You know, like your business model is essentially like how you trade your service and how you get revenue through your business. So if that's, if you don't have one, it's like you have a shitty way of making money, like essentially. So a, a good example of this. So for us, obviously having a hybrid face-to-face -face online model, which we'll talk about, later as well when i think we had 11 days notice that the gyms were probably going to close yep. and we were able to go from no no at home anything ever to rolling out to 80 odd clients an at-home program with videos with resources ready for day one when the gyms closed yeah so and that's across five different trainers and yeah, 80 odd clients plus yours and eyes uh, on top of that. Hindu's joining in the conversation. <laughs> um, so I think that is where the benefit of that model comes in place. Like making sure you have a system, the same, exactly the same principle applies for nutrition. It's like, if you're going to go into that space, obviously making sure you're doing it within your scope based on whether or not you do or don't have a qualification be whether it's like a recommended based thing or a prescription based thing. Um, but that should be systemized as well. It should be a range of options to choose from to apply to the individual, just like a program. Um, and I guess even with both of those, we've basically had the same system of application for both of those two things for at least the last three years. But our, programming templates and what we can do within them evolves whenever Jace gets excited on a spreadsheet, which is usually every six months. <clears throat> so with the system in place, it's like, we're able to test that 
we're able to apply it to clients. We're able to see where the holes are. Then when we learn something, it's like, okay, maybe we should either take this out, put this in, make this change here. And because it's systemized, it's just cut that part out, replace it with this. It's better. Move on. If you've got random stuff all over the place, like oh, I gave this client GBC, I gave this client some other program model, five by five, this one's doing five, three, one. And, and they're your systems, not just something that exists inside your model then you have no idea how to improve that over time. Yeah. And if you get it right, it'll improve your productivity and capacity to take more people away. We just, we just overhauled our whole coaching procedure from the a remote perspective. So every person gets the same thing. It's just that we add on face to face as well. Um, but just our coaching document with the program, check and sheet, goal setting, all of that, we overhauled that whole thing. And the guys it cut their check-in day, you know, down by like 25%. They were able to bring on another 25% of business because they've got that more time. So you get this stuff right, you essentially make more money for the same time or less. Yeah. Yeah, you can either make more in the same time or work less and make the same. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, and that ties into the next part for us. Um, something I think personal trainers miss in general is lifestyle. Having a look at sleep, mood, energy, just those fundamentals of like how someone's feeling, um, which we'll discuss in detail next week on the, when will this come out? Yeah, Friday. So next Friday on the Coaches Corner 3 with Killian and Max, where we're going to talk about coaching people versus coaching numbers. Um, so ticking that box of like, what's your management of people's lifestyles and how are you interpreting that? Check-ins. Fuck. When I first, I remember first like going on, going online in bunny ears, if you can even call it that. My check-ins were send me a message with these questions answered in messenger once a week with some photos. And then I wondered why after four months I was like, I had clients like, no, you said we're going to do this. I'm like, Oh fuck. Did I like, I have to scroll back through 400 pages on my phone to even find where that was which then evolved into Facebook. And now we've got this um, spreadsheet model that's so much more effective and the client feedback on that, again, tying this back to the clients, the client feedback on it is all super positive. So it's way more efficient, it's way more effective for them. The clarity of responses they get is better. Everything simple removes a lot of the noise for them to reply themselves much better. Yeah, I guess like to wrap, to wrap that bit up, it's amazing the amount of people that can't tell you the, the stages that happen from when a client inquires to you contacting them, setting a time, what the consultation is going to be like, you know, signing them on, onboarding them, getting their resources ready. And then, you know, whether it's training them face to face or, you know, online, like the people that can't put that process together is phenomenal. Like nobody knows what that procedure is. That is essentially your business model. Yeah. And then just taking in, how do you process a, a recurring fee for that service that you're in control of? Yeah. It just blows my mind that people don't have that already to go. Yeah. And it's funny because now we think that, but we didn't. <laughs> like back oh, yeah, in the no, day. I agree. It blows my <laughs> mind, I guess, that no one has enlightened people. Yeah. That's how your business is run. Yeah. 
you know, like that's um, how it works. Yeah. And it comes down to, uh, that we will talk about when well, we talk about like coaching and stuff, but I think there, there's an element of like how to operate as a business owner. And it's like you taking the power, you leading from the front, you telling your clients, this is how it is. Like think about any business you go to. It's like, how much it's this, it's, it's, it's done, it's paid this way, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. People buy phone contracts all the time. They hate them. And it's just like, yeah, but you guys ask how it works and they tell you and you buy it. You know, but as a trainer, you're just like, oh yeah, you want to pay me cash? Sweet, you want to deposit money into my account? Cool. Like you want to take the power away from my business? Sweet, I'm getting money right now. <laughs> Where you kind of have to do it the other way. It's like, you have to take control. You're leading your business. Um, but no one, no one's teaching that stuff. Yeah. So none of this, you could even have this model and still not make it work. Yeah, 100% because you're not actually taking charge of it and applying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're letting your clients run your business for you. It's one of the biggest mistakes, huh? Yeah. So again, the notes to kind of take on this, and we use this a lot with with our guys, is work yourself through your entire business as a client. So from the second that you send through the inquiry to imagining that you're six months into the program coaching with you, every single step. Reply to the email, book the appointment, sign up the direct debit, do the terms of engagement, do the expectations, onboard the client, provide them with the resources, write the program, the nutrition, identify the lifestyle factors you're going to look at, run a check-in, what resources are you going to provide and where are they located and go through them and make sure it actually works. And like, that's what your client's going to see on the other end. If you get to a point where it's like, I don't know what happens here or I just do this bit based on the client, on the individual. It's like, ah, get that into a system. Yeah. So where are we? Number three, Jace? Service. So based services, like the way we look at services, like the client experience, as well as like what you offer. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. It's the offer itself based on what the client is going to receive. Yeah. Yeah. And how they, how they would view all that. So the first thing there is, is like, what's your pitch? So knowing what the fuck you actually do is, is super important. You ask personal trainers like, Oh, what do you do? And I'm, I'm getting better at this. Everyone's been to the hairdresser. Everyone's had someone ask, what do you do? And you go, Oh, I'm a personal trainer. And you have to sit there for the next hour listening to some bullshit about someone taking fucking pre-workout and going on the stepper for an hour. And what, what was Dylan one during the week? Someone asked him like, what do you, what do you think my body fat percentage is while he's standing there and fucking fully clothed? Like you don't want to have that conversation. And if you know what you do, you won't have to have that conversation anymore because you'll actually be able to say what you really do. Yeah. The, the pitch thing's a powerful story that you tell other people about like what you do. Like it should be a really infectious, uh, passionate, you know, I guess blurb on, you know, what it is day to day that gets you out of bed and how you help people. I know I've been guilty of it in the past, just being like, Oh, I'm just in fitness, mm-hmm. like just brushing it off when that was an opportunity for me to let somebody know what do I, what I do, you know, on a day to day basis. Now I help people, 
um, which could lead to an opportunity somewhere down the track. So if people don't really know what you do and how you help people, then they're not really going to know what it is that they're getting. And they might not take that next step because, you know, either you don't know what it is or you don't kind of value what you do. So you haven't been, you know, excited enough to tell someone else about it. Like we always want to smile when someone pitches to us. It's like, that's, that's a cool story. That's an interesting story. And you can see someone getting real animated and emotional about what they're doing and how they do it. And it's definitely something that's either undervalued or just like people don't even know that they should be aware of it. Like a lot of coaches can't really tell you what they do. They're just like, I'm a trainer and I um, do sessions at this gym. Yeah. That doesn't sound very exciting to me. Yeah. And I've been guilty of saying that, but now I am practicing my pitch often. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So you take that barbershop example. So if I, if I were to work, walk into a barbershop and say, I work with, 23 to 35 year old women who want to look and be strong as fuck because the standard of coaching in the industry is really low. And my team and I are looking to improve that and reach 1 million positive outcomes by 2030. That guy's not asking me what his body fat percentage is. He's like, fuck, that's awesome. How do you do that? It's like, Oh, we combine online and we do this. And it's like, Oh, that's sick. So like you said, in terms of the opportunity, it's like maybe he knows a woman who lifts weights between the ages of 23 and 35 that might want to be interested. And he's going to remember that story. Cause it wasn't, I'm a PT at fucking wherever out of my garage. <laughs> it's like the difference between those two sentences. Cause they're both true. I'm an online yeah. personal trainer. I do sessions out of my gym compared to that pitch. It's like, I know which person I'm more interested in having a conversation with. And they both generate two very different images. Um, so that's the pitch. So that's essentially what you do. Sorry. Yeah. Then your offer is what you're going to actually provide to the client. Yeah. So we're talking about, are you doing face-to-face? Are you doing hybrid? Are you doing online only? Are you doing group? Are you doing two-on-ones, four-on-ones, one-on-ones? What is your actual business? So if we come back to the business model stuff, that's where we're basically creating systems for each of your, each element of your offer to your clients. So if you're going to sit down with a client and say, say you've got um, Jason's got a hypertrophy client who wants to get as big as possible. It's like, okay, what's your offer? What, what's included in that process? So then when, Oh, I thought you were asking me the actual question. Yeah, let's do it. Go for it. Um, So at the moment, the offer would be, you know, just strictly online because I'm not face to face at the moment. So we would be offering, you know, our online package that involves, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, and it's this much. That's as simple as it is. But if uh, go back maybe like 12 months ago, it was, you know, face to face option, online coaching option, um, maybe like a six weekly program option. And it's like all of those things are listed but I would be telling, I would be orchestrating that conversation to go where I would like to go. Yeah. I think that's, that's a caveat to put on this is your offer is what you prescribe to the client to get the outcome they came to you for. Yeah. It's not just like, what would you like? <laughs> and I'll give it to you. It's yeah. you want to get jacked. So here's how I'll get you jacked. Yeah. I think a better way of putting that is at like using right now as an example instead is like, I can train people online. I can coach people 
face to face and I can write people six weekly programs and consult with them on a monthly basis instead. Yeah. I will only offer yeah. everything bar that face to face at the moment because yeah. it's not something that I need to turn up right now. Mm-hmm. So the whole conversation would be around what that person wants. I'm showing them what, how to get it mm-hmm. or what they're not doing right now to achieve it. And then I show them how I would achieve it. And then I show them what offers that I have for them to take. Well, that I'm going to encourage them to, to have. Because I'm the expert. I'm telling them this is the best offer for you. Yeah. This as, is going to get your outcome. As a practical example, because I, I did it yesterday. Um, someone sits down for, let's say, coaching with me. It's like, cool. You're going to get a lifestyle tracker that you put in this data, this data, this data, and this data that I'll review each week. Then you'll have a check-in tab these are the four questions that you're going to need to answer every week. And I'll provide feedback either via text or a video. You're going to get a program. Your program will do this, 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 and this. It'll be this many days. Does that work with you? Do we need to have any time commands? Blah, blah, blah. Program's done. You'll also receive a Walmart protocol, which initially is generic. And then as I see you move, we might specialize that. You'll get an exercise library. You'll get a goal setting module. Outside of that, your weekly check-in will also have a Facebook group where we post videos and photos so I can review your lifts, make sure you're getting everything right. Then you have our educational e-learning portal, which will have how to use everything, how to set up your diet, how to use your program, how to check in, how to do all of that will be in there. You'll also get a mindset resources toolkit, practical application videos, a nutrition seminar and a programming seminar. All of that is this much minimum turns this, Here's a direct debit. I can have you enrolled on Monday. So it's like, it's very clear to be able to go, this is exactly what my offer is. And I will get you that result based on, I will get you that result with this. And if you can be really clear and prescriptive with that and show that what you've, what you've told them is going to get them the outcome and you're in. So within all of that, and maybe something that overarches the offer as well and will help you refine your offer. And even coming back to your business systems as well is your niche. So you guys will have noticed during my pitch, it was pretty specific who I work with. And that's my, my niche of personal training clients or online coaching clients specifically. How I communicate with them might, would probably be different than how I would communicate with Jason. So that would mean that my resources were probably shaped a little bit differently. My check-in structure might be a little bit different if I was working with Jace than my regular niche. So identifying, there's a few different ways to go about identifying a niche. The three pillars that we really like is your ability to get the outcome is number one. So who can you work with that you're going to get the best results from? Over my career, I've noticed a trend of people in that niche that I mentioned earlier is where I get the best results. Do they have the ability to afford you is also one. So if you notice the age bracket, most 18 year old girls fresh out of school can't afford or don't value the service. They'd rather go get fucked up on the weekend than pay a coach. So I don't try and talk to them. Then the last one is affinity. Where do you find great reward in what you do. And I see that with that client, that client base, Jace, you have a niche that 
it's probably less specific on, on a gender spectrum, but still very specific in the outcomes that you want to work with. Yep. And they take all those three boxes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it, I guess broadening it doesn't make it any less confusing. You just need to be specific with the goal and like understand that person and like what, what are they thinking? What are their problems? You know, who's, who's servicing those people now is a really good way of um, kind of finding, you know, what, how to, how to carry yourself and communicate with people that, that you would like. But I guess just so we're not confusing people that are new as well. It's like, we, we do want you guys to take on as many people as possible at the start gen pop, you know, the best lessons are, are learned from the most difficult clients, to be honest. Um, then you start to build after like 12 months. It's like, okay, I, I typically get results with this person. Um, but even if you typically get results with this person, you're, you, you like to work with this person and we just transition that language and the service and the message towards this person that you like to train. And it's actually a really rewarding feeling like watching some of the guys in the Academy, like it's getting really frustrated with just training everybody. Um, and then now, you know, in the last say three to four months, um, attracting the people that they want. Um, and you can just tell in their demeanor, like, you know, they're just much more passionate, um, you know, business productivity is higher. And it's all because like they go to work every day and they work with these people that they want to. Um, and I think that there's nothing more frustrating as a coach than working with people who you don't want to work with, especially when you've got a lot, well, some, some clients that you do want to work with, you just want more of them. Mm -hmm. um, it can be quite frustrating. That, that can be enough to deflate you. Yeah. So I think you raise a really good question there of like when you should niche. So we've obviously put here in it in here because it is very important depending on where you are in, in your career and your progress if you can't answer those three questions at the start you're not niching yet so if we think of like the evolution of your career it's like if you can't answer those three you need to go find out what that is the best yep. way to do that is your niche is super simple if you're a face-to-face -face personal trainer and you work at good life let's uh, use good life point cook as an example because half of our fucking trainers work there <laughs> so your niche is Good life point cook members, period. Go and yep. train them all. Then once you're doing that, maybe you've done it, you get a full book in three months. After six, you're like, all right, I can identify which people I'm getting the best results for, the ones that stay the longest because, and I don't have to haggle with when I sit down with them. I get the most buy-in with them and I have the most joy working with them. They're the sessions that I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. Such and such is coming in tonight. Not, oh, fuck teeth for the next half an hour because i've got to train such and such and i know all the all pts are out there like i love all my clients like you don't it's people you don't like working with and that's okay it's not a bad thing people will challenge you sometimes they're there deliberately to challenge you and that's a learning experience and i would say they all are but you don't enjoy working with all your clients equally so that is the process to establishing your niche so once you get to that point cool i can establish your niche then once you've established your niche and you've built that, the next step in the progression is going to be um, scaling, which we're not going to talk about today, but that's the logical progression. It's like learn to identify your niche, identify and attract your niche, scale. Second last pillar and one of the biggest pain points that we talked about at the start, 
being able to get clients to turn that tap on and tap off. A few things that are involved is obviously first one's actually getting leads, actually getting people in through the door. So again, it's going to depend on where you're at in your career progression as to how, how you're going to do that. Whether you have a niche yet is going to be very different. So if you're brand new and you're walking into the club for the first time and it's your first three months or you're in a club and you don't have a full book, there's the most hands down effective method of getting new clients. We've seen it work over and over and over and over Great again. Model. And people still don't like, we still want to push back against it. Just pick up the phone, yeah. pick up the phone, call people who haven't been in, call people. It's their birthday, call people. And just, it's a service call from the gym. Hey, how are you? How's your training? Do yeah. it, get good at it. You'll get busy. Yeah. And walk the floor mm-hmm. and fucking talk to the people and actually give a shit about what you're saying to them. have good conversations with people in the gym they work they operate within the space that you run your business with it's highly likely at some point they're going to recognize the person that comes and says hi every day enjoys a good conversation talks about training maybe gives them a few tips here and there it's like i literally built my whole business off that yeah so once you're aware of your niche obviously there's going to be only so many of those typically in the club so maybe now we need to start looking external yeah. and that's where your social media, your publications and other resources are going to start to attract those people to want to work with you. Um, yeah. And I think that's as deep as we need to go into that today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we need to be really good at that initial contact. So when they answer the phone, are you actually skilled to, show some value and show some interest in them, identify what their pain points are enough that they're going to come in and want to find the solution with you. Then we have the consultation. If you're face to face, typically we recommend doing a training session. um, That's going to be targeted to the outcomes that they want that you can show them. Look, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to get your result. Remembering guys coming back to the business model. All of this stuff is a system. It's not fucking random. Let's go out and, oh, today I'm going to do push-ups with this person. It's like all this stuff is planned. You have a demographic. I think we have three for our beginner trainers. There's like three different programs that are probably, that you'll be able to place each person into. Little bit of exercise modification, perhaps based on the individual. Send the session. Yeah. Consult's a system. The initial contact's a system. We've done that. We've impressed them. If you're online, obviously you didn't have a chance to train them. You've just got the consult and then you've got to sell. Yeah. So being able to communicate your offer effectively to show how you're going to bridge the gap between where someone is right now and the outcomes that they want. Yeah. And then overcoming the obstacles that are within that. Being comfortable with them too. Yeah. Yeah. Not taking it personally. Again, that growth mindset, extreme ownership. What did you do wrong? Hmm. Yeah, or even just like pushing back a little bit. Yeah. Like, oh, I got to think about it. It's like, oh, I'm just curious, you know, what is there to think about? Like, just something simple as that. It's like, you're not telling them you're going to slit their throat. <laughs> saying, like, hey, I'm just, I'm just curious. So again, yeah. you've, opened up, you've opened up the platform to speak by saying that. And then it's what's stopping you from getting started right now. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite one for I, th- I want to think about is like, if I'm totally honest, 99% of the time that I hear that, people don't come back. Come back, yeah. And these goals are important to you. So what do you need to think about? 
what can I help with? Yeah. I think a lot of this stuff gets like knocked on the head when you get the consult, right? Yeah. hundred percent. And, and it's the place that people don't spend enough time and value. Like you see coaches in the gym, just you know, fill out your pre-exercise questionnaire. Let's yeah. go. Like, yeah. Okay, just, so. just to be really, really clear on that. The ESSA form is not a pre-exercise questionnaire. Yeah. It's such a, like, it's a health screening. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. I'm, I'm not sick to train. Yeah. That's it. It's like, if you die, it's not my fault. That's all that is. Pretty much. Yeah. Where, yeah, there's no relationship, no rapport, no questions about what they want to achieve. You know, what's the outcome, what they've done in the past, you know, what your considerations are for this exercise session that you're going to potentially put together in a face-to-face setting or this, you know, uh, map of how you're going to get the outcome for this person in an online space. So, yeah, we put a lot of effort into our guys on the consultation because, you know, if you want to get to that point where, you know, you don't have to deal with that many objections, like most objections come because someone hasn't seen value in what you're offering. Mm. Um, if you don't do a consultation, they don't know what they're getting. Yeah. Um, so then all of a sudden you've, you've, you've built yourself a brick wall that could have been a, a stepping stone, you know, mm. to get over. Yeah. hundred percent. So that's the four that people don't talk about. So we'll do the one that people do talk about. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just want to make a point on this that um, the first, I would say at least six, probably 12 months of my career, the first six, I had a full book, but very high turnover. I figured out because I was from a sales background, I could do the clients part, get clients really easily. I was comfortable on the phone it helped that I had friends in the membership consultant office awesome. um, <laughs> just like Jason did. Um, so I was able to be busy, but had huge turnover. Then I figured out at least some of the model and the service. And then I had retention. I was a fucking terrible personal trainer. And I am happy to stand here and say that right now and take ownership of that. Like I wasn't good. I got results based on crash dieting and people just doing movement and I could create good enough relationships that people were adhering. Well, I wasn't good at the technical skills. Like I wasn't good at programming. I wasn't good at nutrition. I wasn't good at lifestyle management. I didn't have a check-in process. Like it was none of the stuff that we talked about today, but I had a full book. And I guarantee you there's someone in your gym. If you're a face-to-face personal trainer, that is that person. And you walk in every day and you're like, fuck this guy. I did this mentorship. I did this fucking course. I'm this, I know this, I'm certified in this. And it's like, and they're busier than you. Yeah. So what I recommend, because I used to be that guy, um, SEC Fit was actually founded on that <laughs> i was so shitty with the success of michelle bridges i was like we need an online portfolio online um, platform that's going to challenge that because it's shit and it's pissing me off ditch that ego instead and understand why are they why are they busy why are they busier than you what are they what areas are they succeeding in that you're not if yeah. you're so technically proficient how come they're busier yeah, I think that gets to a point like it's kind of like a like a seesaw, you know, you've got these technical skills and business skills. It's like you can't have that many technical skills that you don't have the business to utilize them. They get there has to be a point where 
you sit there and, and, and reflect on your business and it's like, I don't have any business because I don't spend any time getting it. Mm-hmm. And I don't spend any time building a system and running it and understanding well how to operate one. I've spent all my time being a very good trainer and there's no, nothing wrong with being super technically proficient. Like Ben and I still to this day, like sharpen our tools and polish our craft uh, and we love it almost to the point where we've got to stop it because we've got other shit to deal with. <laughs> um, but, but it, it gets to a point where those things don't generate income. They, those things don't make people come to you. Mm-hmm. So we have to just get this balance right. And there'll be probably times where you got heaps of clients and it's like, cool, go upskill. Yeah. Like and- a lot of our coaches put like get to their quota of sessions and clients. And we're like, cool, what do you want to learn now? Yeah. You know, and it's about the dials that we talk about all the time. And it's like, we're going to turn this education dial up now because we don't need to essentially like pay our bills and put money in the bank um, because we're doing that mm-hmm. and we're servicing lots of people and helping them at the same time. So we can kind of work on ourselves for a bit. And then, all right, I've lost five clients. Cool. Turn the personal development down, turn the business stuff back up. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest problems in our corner of the fitness industry, fuck, I, I still don't like the term, but like that evidence-based corner, I guess you could put us in. Um, the biggest problem is in that space is like too many trainers are listening to people say cool shit, getting excited about it and it changes fucking nothing. Yeah, It's like, it's awesome. Go and learn the Krebs cycle. It's great how does it make you any better? Like you have a better understanding of the human body. Cool. What system did you plug that into that allowed you to be better? If you don't have a system for lifestyle management, nutrition and programming, what did understanding that do for you? Hmm. If you went and learned a complex model of programming, but you don't have a programming system. So say you spent, I think it's about a 16 minute read my RPE article uh, on medium. If you invested the 20 minutes reading that and don't have a programming model, what do you do with it? Yeah. You just arbitrarily assign an RPE when you come into a session or do you have a programming model that you're able to go, well, actually maybe there's a, a, a benefit to me prescribing load in this place and prescribing RPE in this place. So I'm going to start doing that, mm. but it's useless without the programming model. Yeah, I think there's some tremendous value in like just especially at the start of your career is picking things to learn that, you know, and learning it in a manner that you can go on Monday and apply it to your clients and and, and not learn anything else until you've applied that and reviewed and reflected on it to see if it works and like how to fix it. I think coaches are too caught up in just, you know, obtaining information and there does becomes very little knowledge that comes out of that information. Um, and it's just because, you know, they want to do this course, that course, they want to read this book and that book. And then you still look at the way they coach and train people. And it's like, how do you, how have you done all this stuff, but you still don't get any better outcomes than you did before that. And it's more down to the ability to apply what you're learning. And like we've been caught up in it in the past. Just even now we kind of just reflect and go, was that really worth the time? Like, did I get good networking out of it? was I able to apply stuff? And there's been times where it was like, probably was a bit of a waste. Like, you know, the networking was kind of cool, but it's like, did I want to pay five grand to network with someone? Probably not. Yeah. Like could have just had them picked up the phone or like, you know, send them a DM or something, you know? So uh, we're always looking for 
and always striving to put together stuff that can be applied and you guys can understand the how, you know, rather than just like always wanting the calculator to have the answer. It's like, understand how you got there. And then it's like, cool, here's a resource that'll make that streamlined for you. Mm. So you don't have to waste time. You understand it. Let's streamline it now. Yep. That's what business is all about. Yeah. I think, um, the best way to approach being great is filling holes in, in your skill set rather than just learning shit. Agreed. So like you said, like, what do you want to learn now? What's either a weakness you need to fill because it's, it's glaringly obvious and it's letting you down, or maybe there's a specific thing you want to get better at that maybe leans you into a niche or something like that. It's like, there should be a reason you're learning what you're learning. Yeah. Agreed. So I, I recently spent, fuck $1,300 us on a mentorship program that turned out not to be that. Um, because it was like, I want to learn how you got to where you are and it didn't provide that for me. So I actually just checked out of the course about halfway through, probably wouldn't recommend doing that, but I had better shit to do. (laughs) Um, so, but the intent is this person either knows or is doing the thing that I want to do. They're going to teach that which is going to make this thing that's either a hole or an opportunity for me to grow. I'm going to go and do that right now. All right. So we tie all this together. We're starting out. You're the 95 percentile of personal trainers who every week are stressed about where your next client's coming from. You're overworked in terms of you've got, no systems and structure inside your business. So you don't really know what ways up, what ways down, You're putting in heaps of effort and you're not getting the return that you want. Hopefully you walk away from this call. This call. I don't know why I keep calling it a call from this podcast. Cause I'm on a call with you. It's like, I'm just yeah, using that. Language. Of them. Yeah. Um, and you take these five pillars and apply. Okay. Improve your mindset. Start to put together some business systems. What's your actual service for your clients? How are you getting your clients? What's the system there? What holes are there in your technical skills that need to be filled that are going to make you better? Put all those pieces together. Then we expect you should have efficient and effective models, easy client acquisition, high income, less time input, which is what we all want. So that frees you up packaging all of that together makes you a standout PT. Like we said, 95% of the people we deal with are experiencing these three main problems all the time, every day, day in, day out, year in, year out. So you will stand out online in the gym with your clients just by getting this shit in order because no one else is doing it. Hopefully that was useful. It should be, should be if, you probably have to listen to this one a couple of times, get the pen and paper out and stuff, but it should be, there's a lot of good take-homes from today's podcast that we've outlined to help you guys. Yeah. So if you resonate with those three problems and they're the outcomes that you want and looking across your business, what's a really fun thing to do is actually look at those five pillars. So have a look at your mindset, score it out of 10. How good do you think your mindset is based on the criteria that we use today? Give it a score out of 10. What's your business model like? Give that a score out of 10. How good's your service? How clear is your service? How good are you at coaching people to get an outcome? Score that out of 10. 
how good are you taking getting leads in and once you've got them actually converting them into clients score that out of 10 and then score your technical proficiency so a good way to do that is imagine a client comes down comes to you based on the person you want to work with they say i have this this and this goal out of 10 how comfortable are you how confident are you of achieving that outcome for that person score that out of 10 that's going to then identify what areas you need the most work in. Once you've scored those, um, we'd actually probably like to hear from you and see where they are. Cause we're always curious to see like what, where the biggest holes in the industry are and what people need more of helps us with the podcast, helps us with our course. Um, so yeah, shoot us a DM and let us know what you come up with or what stood out to you. That'd be really cool as well. We currently have a rolling intake of our coaches Academy, which is essentially everything we've spoken about today is inside that. And then obviously it evolves into the big, great and technical skills as well. So if you're interested, just jump on um, the at STC fit learning Instagram page, shoot us a DM for more info. There's links and stuff in there as well. If you want to follow those and read more, um, but just shoot us a DM. And just, yeah, I listen to the podcast and once more would like to learn a little bit more about the Coaches Academy. We'll give you all the details in there mm. as well. Anything to add, Jace? Uh, it's like we've pretty much covered everything. Yeah. I think it's pretty comprehensive kind of what people should be looking at you know, when we talk about running an actual fitness business. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Sweet. So at Beth, Ben Scott, STC at Jason Galea underscore STC for us um, at STC fit for all your online coaching and face-to-face coaching. If you live in point cook needs, <laughs> I'm just getting smaller and smaller that, yeah. that range. Um, yeah. I think that's all at STC fit learning for, if you're a coach and you're interested in more of this type of content. Oh, the seminar next week with Max and Killian. Tickets are available at SEC Fit Learning, link in bio events, um, free tickets, 90 minute workshop on how to focus on training clients rather than just coaching numbers. Yep. Uh, it's yeah. gonna be a really cool chat. I'm excited for it. Yes. Yeah, um, Killian works with Prescripts, which is Jordan Cello that you guys would be familiar with. We've had him on the show before. Um, Max runs a gym out West called the Performance Factory, I believe. I hope I got that right. Sorry, Max. Performance, Performance Hub. Hub. That's the one. Um, and also with Nexus Performance uh, with Will and Mickey, who we've had on the show as well uh, in nutrition space there. So strength condition, both have strength conditioning backgrounds, both have pretty high level uh, sporting backgrounds themselves. Um, I want to ask Killian about bobsledding, actually. I only found out recently that he, he competed like at a national level in bobsled. Oh, yeah. Sounds yeah. like the craziest fucking thing to do ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a interesting sport when you think about living in australia like we yeah to, yeah it's like oh, very rarely would be able to do that yeah it's like what does a canadian do play ice hockey and bobsled <laughs> makes total sense yeah yeah <laughs> awesome so yeah hopefully we'll see you guys there um i think we're back again next week who knows yeah maybe <laughs> we'll surprise you guys it could yeah, be us could be the be girls surprise when you tune in <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah. thanks everyone for listening yeah. don't forget screenshot Share onto your Instagrams. Bye, guys.